please turn with me one more time. That glorious Psalm 100. Let us read verse 5. The reason for the first four verses, the inspiration of the first four verses, the foundation upon which the first four verses are built. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. His truth endureth to all generations. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You now already for the hymns and psalms and prayers. We pray, dear God, that they have been pleasing and acceptable in Thy sight, not for any merit of our own, but because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray. Help us, Lord God, we pray to understand this final verse and its amazing truths. May it encourage us, may it strengthen us, may it comfort us in an ever-changing world when we see so much wickedness, so much chaos, so much devastation. Help us by encouraging us and strengthening us in thy divine truth that your truth shall endure to all generations. We love you. We thank you so much that we have that truth with us this morning in thy word and in thy son, who is the living truth. May you be honored and glorified now in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I pray you might yet indulge me this one last time as we return to this glorious 100th Psalm. For though we shall never exhaust nor fully apprehend this glorious psalm in one lifetime, for its theme is one of eternity, yet its divine subject being that of praise and thanksgiving of the Almighty and Eternal God is vital and important for each and every one of us as His people and as the sheep of His pasture. For I believe there are yet a few divine truths found in these final words which demand our utmost attention this morning. And I hope and pray that God would write them upon our hearts. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generation. Of all the attributes of God, it was specifically these three attributes that the Holy Spirit of God would inspire the psalmist to declare in conjunction with the divine truths found in this most glorious Psalm 100, which deals with praise and thanksgiving. He would be inspired to declare specifically these three attributes of God, His goodness, His mercy, and His truth. For though all the attributes of God are marvelous and glorious in themselves, God, who knoweth our frame, and that we are but dust, according to Psalm 103, 
would greatly comfort and encourage his people and the sheep of his pasture by declaring those attributes which afford us the greatest comforts and encouragement. This is how merciful and loving and kind our God is. He's not having us deny His other attributes. But God, knowing our frame and that we are but dust and in need of great comfort, would use these three, these three which afford us great comfort and encouragement to inspire us and to strengthen us in His mercy, truth, and goodness. It is by His gentleness, the psalmist said in Psalm 18, by His gentleness that we are made great. This is how loving and kind our God is. How precious is Thy thoughts unto me, O God, cried the psalmist. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Psalm 139. Come before His presence, enter into His gates, and into His courts, that the Lord God would invite His people into His very presence, not by fear or by terror, but in a way best suited to fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory is a most humbling yet amazing truth. God would draw us to Him with an everlasting love. God would draw us to Him by His goodness, His mercy, and His truth that we might be filled with great joy and singing and praise and thanksgiving. What an amazing truth. For the Lord is good, ever-present, is, like the Lord is my shepherd, ever-present. The Lord is ever-present, ever-sure. He is always good. His mercy is everlasting. It has no end. And His truth endureth to all generations. What an amazing threefold chord we have in this fifth verse. And it's with the assurance of these three glorious attributes of God that we are invited into His presence with singing, thanksgiving, and praise. And the third being our subject today. And His truth endureth to all generations. Beloved, we have never had such a need of this divine truth than we do today in this ever-changing world. His truth endureth. To all generations. There is some advantage. And that by God's grace. In God providentially allowing one to see the days of one's years. If they be threescore years or more. As we sang in Psalm 90. Not that proof of God's enduring truth is in need of the testimony of men, for it stands alone in testifying of its enduring to all generations. But there is an advantage, listen to me, there is an advantage to those whom God providentially will allow to live long enough to witness and attest to this divine truth. I'm here to tell you this morning, after over 40 years, a generation of being a Christian, 
I'm here to tell you, to attest to you, this divine truth is true. In 40 years, in my converse, since my conversion, the truth of God has withstood time. 40 years. When one has himself been enabled by God's grace to live long enough to witness and attest to the enduring of God's truth in his generation, it can afford, dearly beloved, the greatest comfort and joy. There are some things about God that man cherishes when he's lived longer and he's been able to become a witness or testify to those truths. I'm here to tell you this morning in the short period of time that God has allowed me to breathe upon His earth, I'm here to tell you and attest to you this morning that I believe this truth to be true, not only because it's in God's Word and that first and foremost, but because I have personally witnessed it to be true in the last 40 years. One generation, the psalmist said, one generation shall praise thy works to another. What am I doing? I'm praising his works to another generation. And shall declare thy mighty acts. That's what we are tailed to do. That's what we're commanded to do as God's children. We don't, we don't deny that. We tell that to the next generation. We declare it. We praise His works to one another. Now also, the psalmist said in 71, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, or old and getting bald, Forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. You see what the psalmist is saying? As we grow older in the Lord, dearly beloved, we have a great responsibility not only before God, first and foremost, but to the next generation to declare His mighty works to let them know who God is. We pass it from one generation to the next. And His truth endureth to all generations. Soon, some of us, this morning, if the Lord chooses to delay His coming, some of us this morning, shall depart this generation. Yet our departure shall not hinder God's truth from enduring into yours. We might pass and go the way of all the earth, as Scripture says. But God's truth, if He delays His coming, shall continue into yours. This brings those gray-headed men and women, great comfort. To know that that which we declare unto you shall endure even in our passing. How little and finite such a divine truth makes us appear before the sight of God. How many generations have come and gone? Many. It didn't pass away with the death of Moses. It didn't depart with David's dying 
it's still here from generation to generation, the truth of God. That ought to greatly encourage us, especially in this day and age when, like I said, the world is changing so rapidly, so fast. Wickedness abounds everywhere, chaos, hectic. Sometimes we look at the church and wonder if it's even going to be able to remain standing in the midst of all of this. Yet God's Word says, My truth shall endure to all generations. Nothing in accordance to your aiding it and helping it, but because it's my truth, as we'll see. It's God's truth. These words of the psalmist are most endearing and comforting to every true child of God and therefore demands our greatest attention. What is that that endureth to all generations? His truth. His truth endureth to all generations. Let me emphasize this morning, it's His truth. Uh, this morning's sermon is going to lead us on to the next message, I believe, God's or the text that God's led me to. So pay close attention. Uh, you'll be better prepared for next Sunday, but uh, it's His truth. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's His. Its origin is not found in men nor angels. He doesn't say his, our truths because we have none of ourselves. Its origin is not found in men nor in angels, therefore they are not capable or even worthy in aiding or assisting in its enduring. I can't keep his truth enduring to generations. I'm limited by time, by death, by my infirmities, by my inability to hold the truth in its essence. I can't do that. I can't assist in that. Nobody can. It's God's truth. As a matter of fact, left in the hands of men or angels, it could not endure one moment in time. Follow me this morning because I really want to be a, a blessing to you in proclaiming this truth to you because the truth of God has to endure a lot of things. It will never, ever fail, fall, be corrupted, never. It will always endure to every generation regardless of how wicked and vile the world become, regardless of how many men rested, regardless of how many demons in hell try to force themselves and deny it, regardless of what happens, God's truth shall endure to all generation. That's why I love the King James Bible because it emphasizes the word endureth. And that word is special, as we'll see in a few minutes. It's special. It's for our comfort, not God's. It's for ours. Because we see how people oppose the truth. Do we not? Do we not see how the world even today opposes the truth of God? They deny it. They reject it. They hate it. They despise it. From the world, Satan, even our own hearts. God's truth is always facing opposition. And sometimes we wonder whether it will triumph. God says it will. It will endure. That word endure means no matter what kind of opposition it faces, God's word will endure to all generation. That gives me great comfort. We spend a lot of time complaining about the spiritual condition of the church. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be moved by the spiritual 
depravity or how deplorable state God's church is in. Daniel, after 60 years, Daniel chapter 9, I've been looking at that chapter this past week. Amazing prayer. Lord willing, one day I'd like to preach on that. Daniel's prayer. It's an amazing prayer. After 60 years, Daniel begins to pray. And how does it begin? God, we've sinned against thee. We've not listened to your laws. We have not obeyed thee. And yet, Lord, we plead for your mercy for us. We see, we are evidence, we are witnesses of how much the world hates God's truth. It has to endure a lot. And sometimes we become frustrated. We shouldn't. Why? Because it's His truth. <laughs> Not yours or mine. Just like in kind of giving you a foretaste of what's coming up, just like it's His church that Christ said He'd build. Not ours. It's His church. He takes ownership of it. And just a foretaste for next week. You know, He created the universe, Genesis chapter 6. But Christ says the church is so special, I'm going to build that. It's an amazing play on words, but I'm telling you, there's amazing. He created the heavens and the universes out of nothing. He created it. But when it comes to His people, His redeemed, He says, oh, I'm, I'm not going to create this. I'm going to build. I'm going to build my church. It's His church. You think he's lost control of it? It's his church. Just like it's his truth. Here's a rock upon which we should stand. God would never commit the keeping, preserving, and enduring of his truth into the hands of finite, weak, and frail man for though the church of God scripture declares is to be the pillar and ground of the truth in 1 Timothy 3 the church of God the pillar and the ground of truth it's preservation and endurance God commits to none but himself we're the pillar and the ground we should be proclaiming it we should be standing on it professing it Proclaiming it, declaring it, but its preservation and endurance is not up to us. It's up to God. Nothing in our text says that His truth shall endure as long as we stay faithful to it. No, his truth endureth. You know, Isaiah claims, Isaiah 59, that with men... Truth is allowed to fall in the streets. Truth has fallen in the streets. That means they've, men have trampled on it. What they used to adhere to and obey, they now trample upon it. Falls in the street. Man lets truth fall in the streets. Even says that truth faileth amongst men. God wouldn't commit His truth to our preserving and keeping of it. Do you know that no matter which or how great a man of God or a woman of God can be, no matter how great a saint you find in the Scripture, even though they did proclaim the truth and even though they did have the truth because of God, 
that was always mingled with corruption. Do you know that? Everything. It doesn't matter if you're a David, whether you're a Moses, whether you're Elijah, whether you're a John Gill, whether you're a Thomas Menton. It doesn't matter. Arthur Pink doesn't matter. Spurgeon doesn't matter. They had the truth, but that truth, the divine truth of God, was always mingled with error. Only God's Word is truth. Which is generation to get a hold of this, we might get back to the scriptures rather than living our Christian life in the light of men and their commentaries and devotions rather than the word of God. So many people today are inspired by what men say rather than what God says. Maybe that could be the reason why God's church is so weak today. I'm not saying we can't learn from great men of God. We should. But remember what the old Puritans said, and they knew this very well. A preacher, and all Christians as well, but especially a preacher should be the master of many books and the servant of one. Master of many books, servant of one. And that's God's Word. Even Romans 1, Paul declared that the wrath of God is revealed on the ungodly because they hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. They hold the truth, yet in unrighteousness. What are they? They corrupt it. They spoil it. They defile it. They hold the truth in un unrighteousness. So God wouldn't commit His truth to sinful man to preserve it and to keep it. It doesn't endure because of our faithfulness. Because we die. If it, if it endures because of our faithfulness, when we die, so does the truth. You follow me? It doesn't. It continues on. The saints of old, Reformation, Puritan time, even before that, had great things to say. And we glean from them highly. Yet they all died. The truth didn't die with them. Truth remains. I remember one time, years ago, in Germany, we would always take these trips to... I usually don't tell stories, so this is odd for me as well. But we took a trip to... Always took trips to Holland and England, getting books. When the Lord began to open my eyes up about the doctrines of grace, we'd go up there at least once a year, twice a year maybe, and we'd get books. And I'd, we'd find ourselves in these bookstores, secondhand bookstores with stacks of books on the floor. And because we're limited by money, we had to choose which book we wanted to take and which one we felt we needed to leave behind and all that. And one day I looked over at a brother who was with me. And I said, I wonder when the last time we felt this way about the Word of God. Like we do about the books of men. And the Lord smit my heart or smote my heart. We can learn from great men of God. Yet never forget the absolute truth can only be found in God's Word. And God says, I will keep it. And I will make sure it endures to all generations. So let me tell you, young people, though you might not even yet know the Lord as Savior, let me tell you something. Even in your generation, should the Lord delay His coming, you'll have the same truth. Because it will endure because of God, not because of men. The emphasis of the psalmist concerning God's truth is that it endureth to all generations. Something which proves to me 
the blessedness of the King James Bible. Because you won't find that in any other translation except King James. He doesn't just simply say, and his truth to all generations, it endureth. The expression endureth, <clears throat> excuse me, is not for God's benefit, but for ours. When we see someone struggling and going through some hard times, they have all this opposition going on, we, we wish to encourage them by saying, endure. Even Scripture says, Matthew, those that endure in the end shall be saved. Endure. You endure something when there's great opposition. <clears throat> great opposition pushing against you. And you endure. You endure. God says, my truth, <clears throat> excuse me, shall endure. All the opposition, the world, Satan, men, angels, it'll endure. That's for our comfort, not God's. <clears throat> excuse me. That God who is sovereign would have need to endure anything is a wonder of itself. He's sovereign. He can do whatever He wants to. On His part, there's no enduring at all. God just does it. Isn't that amazing? God just does it. One little word shall fail Him. Mighty fortress is our God. He just does it. But the word endureth is for our comfort. Because God would have us be comforted by the fact that though we see so much opposition against the truth of God, never lose faith in God, keeping His word to all generations, because it shall endure. When we get frustrated at the church, or the, even at the people of God, when we get frustrated by seeing the wickedness of men, and it seems as though the whole world's turned against Christianity and God, and it seems like very few men are around that are faithful to God, never lose hope in the truth of God. It shall endure. Beloved, herein is an anchor for our souls. For like I said, we live in an ever-changing and wicked world. Religious movements have come and gone. Many false prophets and false teachers have come and gone. Heresies and doctrines of devils, lies, deception, the wrestling of God's truth amongst men. But God's truth has endured through them all. No help or aid from men or angels. It has endured it all. You know how many heresies have risen since the, since the history of God's church? You know how many false doctrines, false prophets, false teachers? Think about it. We look at our own generation and say, look at how, how often people despise the Word of God. But think about God's truth throughout the past generations. Endure is for our consolation and comfort. Because like I said, we as God's people... We witness the great opposition from the world, Satan, and evil men against the truth of God, and yet it has continued to endure. The true testimony of its divine sovereignty and a true refuge for every true believer in every generation. Ecclesiastes says, One generation passes away and another generation cometh. One passes away and another one cometh. Yet the psalmist here in Psalm 100 says, His truth endureth to all of them. Do you know that every generation of God's people has had their own struggles and conflicts? 
some more vicious and trying as others. If you know anything about church history, you can look back and think about all the times you read. Even Scripture, just look at Scripture itself, whether it's in the book of Acts or whether it's in the Old Testament, Jeremiah the prophet, all the problems he had with the false prophets, where you look all the way back to Moses and the people murmuring and claiming. Just think about all the generations that's already passed, all those generations. How much opposition has God's truth become? And yet we're standing here today, 2024, proclaiming the same truths that they had back then. Every generation has had its own struggles and conflicts. And some generations more vicious and terrifying and troubling and conflicting than others. But it still has endured. God's truth has endured. Even at times when it appeared that the godly man seeth this. Psalm 12, David cried, Help, O Lord! Help! For the godly man seeth us, for the faithful fail amongst the children of men, he cried. Even at times when it appears that the church is at its lowest and almost on the verge of extinction. And sometimes God allows that providentially to happen. Yet His truth has endured. There was times in the history of God's church when many of God's people thought the truth had died. You remember the cry of Elijah? Set up on a juniper tree and says, Lord, I'm the only one left. There ain't nobody else. God said, don't you dare think about that. Don't you think that everything is dependent upon you? Don't you think that my truth is dependent upon you? That you're the one that's keeping it? I'm telling you, I've got more prophets that you ever thought about that hid that you don't know about. I'm telling you, it might look dim where we're at, in our position where we're at, but I'm telling you in the world, God has His people. The truth shall endure to all generations. That brings me great comfort. We need to be reminded of that, especially in this day and age when we see the churches are, there's so few visitors, conversions are rare. It looks as though the church is dying out. Do you know I read the other day that somebody said in a statistic, and I don't take all of them to be what they truly are, but this statistic said that one out of every four Americans is an atheist. We have large buildings and empty pews. We have few conversions. And yet when we look at the media and the world around us, it seems as though the hatred for God's Word has increased. It seems as though God's people are cowering in the shower, the shadows, and that all is most lost. God says, don't you even start that, Elijah. Because it's not up to you. My truth is not dependent upon your faithfulness. Because believe me, you're not going to be faithful all the time. No, the enduring of my truth is dependent upon me, for it's my truth. Just like the building of His church is not up to you or me. Christ says, I'll build it. Well, Lord, you're not building fast enough. <laughs> Lord says, no, I'm building it at the right speed I want, just the way I want to build it. I'll build it. 
It's me that enables it to endure. For the Lord is good, His mercy everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. You know, it gives me great comfort as I near that time when I too shall go the way of all the earth. That this book and all the truths in this book will not pass with my demise. I can look to my children and my grandchildren and then look to God and say, God, it doesn't matter how wicked and vile the world gets. It doesn't matter how deplorable condition the church is in. God, you said your truth is going to endure to all generations, and I take great comfort in knowing that that's true. Men shall assail it. Devils shall hate it. The world shall seek to silence it. But God's truth shall endure to all generations. What a comfort. What a blessing for God's people. What, what, what a foundation to build on is God's people. Are you listening? What a foundation to build on. Beloved, never forget, it's the enduring of God's truth is not dependent upon our merits or anything that we do or our faithfulness. It's dependent upon God. So what do we do? We proclaim it. We declare it. Yeah, but it doesn't look like nothing's happening. It doesn't matter. We proclaim it. We declare it. It's God. It's God's truth. Just like the Lord, when He told... Uh, the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock I will build my church. Not Peter, but him. I will build my church. So many people believe that the building of God's church is dependent upon them and their works, their merits, their entertainments, their any way they can do, their methods. And God says, no, I'll build my church. It's amazing if you look at that passage, what comes before that. And what comes after that? Just like I was noticing when our brother read the text in John. You know how, many, how many different opinions those people had? One said Son of God. One said Son of Man. One said Christ. One said Messiah. They all had a different opinion of Christ. I didn't notice that till he was reading. I'm going, there it is right there. They're all you know, Andrew saying this. Peter saying that. Nathaniel saying that. All different ones. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord says, Who do men say that I am? Well, you're the Christ. Upon that, he says, oh, you said it. That wasn't flesh and blood, but my father. And upon this rock. Upon what rock? That he's the Christ. It's not built on me or you or Peter or the Pope. It's built on Christ. And then after that, you know what it says? Verses after that, when Peter denied him, it said, and from then on, the Lord began explaining to them how he must suffer and die. That's how he's going to build his church. I'm going to build my church through my suffering and sacrifice, through my blood. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to purchase it. It's going to be mine. So stop thinking it's up to you how the church is, will continue. It's Christ's church, not ours. It's God's truth, not ours. Take comfort, dearly beloved, that God's truth shall endure unto all generations. And as you grow older, and you see the next generation coming up behind you, whether they be your family, friends, or whatever. You do what the psalmist says. You declare on the next generation. You declare on the wonderful works of God. Because after your demise, it'll keep going. What you're declaring them will not die off with you. Isn't that a blessing? 
Every time you tell your children, your friends, your family, every time you tell them the truth of God's Word, you're telling something that will, shall endure past your demise. What a blessing that is. Give them something besides your opinion. Give them the book. Because then you're giving something that will go on when you're gone. What a confidence that is. What a blessing that is. Amen. Praise God from whom all things flow. Praise Him, all you creatures here below. Mm -mm. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I have not even scratched the surface of what all this Psalm 100 has to offer. Lord, the theme is eternal. The subject is an eternal God. The truth of which we spoke this morning is like God, eternal and unchanging. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us as thy children to be able to come back to this Psalm 100 in times of need and sing it with our hearts and our minds. Sing it with understanding that we'd make a joyful noise unto the Lord, that we'd serve Him with gladness, we'd come before His presence with singing, that we'd know that the Lord, He is God. He hath made us and not ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Let us enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Let us be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth, His truth endureth to all generations. What a glorious foundation. What a beautiful rock to stand upon. Father, I pray You'd be honored and glorified in all we say and do. Thank You for this glorious song. Write it upon our hearts, we pray. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you.